A second presumptive case of coronavirus has been confirmed in Ontario. Uh, That is according to the province's top doctor, Dr. David Williams, said the individual is the wife of the man who is believed to be Ontario's first presumptive case of the virus. We'll find out this afternoon if it is a confirmed case uh, when we get the the results back from the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg. It uh, is expected to verify what um, tests by Ontario's public health lab said on Saturday that the man has tested positive for coronavirus. The wife has been in self-isolation since they arrived back home from Wuhan, China. And uh, they say that they are working alongside uh, Toronto Public Health. And they've been in regular contact with with the individual during the self-isolation period. And we'll find out more during a press conference, which is scheduled at Queen's Park at 1130. We'll carry that live for you. Right now, I want to welcome to the program someone who's been on before. She's our go-to when it comes to infectious diseases, a specialist at Sinai, Mount Sinai uh, Health System. Dr. Allison McGeer is with us again. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for being here. Um, Off the top, if I could ask you, uh, I found this really interesting article, and it's talking about how, you know, the risk is low for coronavirus. We're just talking about the first two possible cases in Canada right now. And there is something far more deadly than um, the coronavirus that is lurking near us here in Canada, and that would be just good old influenza. Yes, and and you would definitely be right. You know, this is a uh, an illustration of the difference you always see in which you know things that are sort of common and ordinary, even if they're dangerous, just don't feel as dangerous as things that are new and different. There's no question for everybody in Canada in January for sure. Influenza is much more dangerous than this new coronavirus. Why are we so complacent about the flu when you know, according to the Center for Disease Control out of the states? Influenza has already sickened at least 13 million Americans this winter, hospitalizing 120,000 and killing uh, 6,600 people so far. And we haven't even peaked yet with flu season. Yeah, it's actually up to 8,200 now on their estimates from the last week. Yeah, well, it's actually complicated. Flu is a flu is a really deceptive disease. It you know. So many of us get it, and when you do get it, the risk of anything terrible is going to happen to you is low, and so you think, well, you know, why do I have to worry about it? And and you forget that, you know, 10 or 15% of the population gets infected every year, and when you add up all those infections, even a low complication rate is makes it a really serious disease. But it's hard to count influenza cases, and we don't diagnose many of them. And when you die from influenza, you frequently don't die from the infection itself, but rather from complications, because influenza sets you up for bacterial pneumonia, and it's known because of its inflammatory a response to trigger heart attacks. And so we see people and we see them die from heart attacks and we don't always make the connection that the reason they had a heart attack was because they had influenza. So it's really a, it's a difficult and, and complicated disease to appreciate. But, it, you know, we could protect so many more people if we could just talk more people into getting vaccinated. 
Let's turn to the coronavirus, uh, if we could, for um, a, a second here. The big question is how easily this virus is transmitted from an infected person, an infected person to others. We're just we're still learning about this virus. Um, not much is known on how it spreads, but uh, the theory is that you know one infected person could possibly infect two others. That is, if they're not a super spreader. When you're talking about infectious disease, what exactly is a super spreader? Well, m- most diseases. Are, are don't have an equal chance of being spread from one person to the next. So it's a it's a general truth that for any infectious disease, many people don't spread it at all, and some people spread it a lot. Um, and and so we use the term super spreader to describe the events where a large number of people become infected from a single person. So there's a description, for instance, with this novel coronavirus in a hospital where 14 healthcare workers got sick. So if if on average the two people get sick from every one person, that's one person who infected 14 people, and there's another six people who would have infected nobody else at all. And that's in some ways, good news about viruses because if if you can control the what are called super spreading events, you don't have to worry so much about all the other people, um, and and so it, it's it's actually better if if there's heterogeneity and transmission from people um, for public health control. But you're right, there's just there there's just too much we still don't know about this virus. Mm-hmm to know um, whether the Chinese are going to be able to control it or not. Dr. Allison McGeer is on the show with us. She's an infectious disease specialist at Sinai uh, Health System. She's been on the show with us before. It's good to have you on, as always. Um, When we talk about quarantining, there are some people that feel that this might actually not be the best option. Um, Not quarantining people, but quarantining, you know, just entire places because it creates an epidemic of fear. What are your thoughts on this? Because you worked on SARS, and I know there was a lot of fear around coming to Toronto during SARS. Well, I, you're absolutely right. The issue with with quarantining places is um, not just the fear it generates, but the economic damage it generates. And you know, the, then people um, don't get paid. Um, if you're already close to the poverty line, it can be catastrophic. So there, there's enormous health consequences um, to quarantine, unrelated to the infectious disease itself. So I, I think we have to have the utmost admiration for the people in China. You know, they they looked at this and they said, this is a really difficult virus Mm -hmm. uh, to control transmission. We don't know whether or not we can control it, but the only way we're going to be able to is if we do really draconian things. So, So they have done truly draconian measures of trying to limit the spread of this virus in a in a desperate attempt to protect the rest of us from this virus you know they they already have it in Hubei province it it you know they're 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 less about protecting themselves now than they are about protecting us and and we don't know if it's going to work we do know that it for most viruses these kind of public health measures do not work. We do not recommend them routinely. But this is a new virus, um, and uh, I think that you know, doing your very best to make sure that you have done 
everything you can to control it before you say, no, we can't control the transmission, it's a new virus, we're going to have to live with it, is really important. So it, 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 you know, it's a double-edged sword. It, it may well not work in China, um, but um, it, it is, um, I, I think, really wonderful of them that they're working so hard at doing absolutely everything they can, despite what the consequences clearly are for them. We are going to hear from the province's top doctor today at 1130. We'll carry that press conference live. Um, I'm sure they're going to be talking about the two presumptive cases now. The second presumptive case is the wife of the gentleman that has been in Sunnybrook Hospital in isolation um, for a a couple of days now. She now, she had been self-isolated, quarantined. She self-quarantined as soon as they came back. But um, I got I got a call um, from a healthcare worker who told me that they have some suspected cases in isolation in other hospitals around the GTA. How do they determine if someone has this virus? If it's so new, how do they have the test for it already? Oh, because we have a really good public health lab. Um, because despite all the cuts this year, you remember they, these are the people who who took a, a a real hit with cutbacks because we are trying to you know save money in healthcare mm-hmm. and in public health in the province. Despite that, they are one of the first labs in the world to have a test up and functioning. It's an amazing accomplishment on their part, um, and so that's what we're doing. You know, lots and lots of people travel from Toronto to China. There's as you pointed out, lots of influenza around, so lots of people to travel to China have febrile illnesses. The huge majority of them do not have this virus, um, but they need testing to make sure that they don't. And so um, that, that means that our emergency departments are seeing people every day with febrile illnesses who have been exposed to China um, and who need to be tested. And it means our public health lab is literally working 24-7 to get us test results. So do they test against the virus? Basically, um, a checklist of what you do not have because this is so new? No, they actually have a test that detects this virus. And one of the one of the amazing things about um, what we've been able to do with diagnostic virology is first that the Chinese were able to isolate this virus. They sent the sequence around the world. That sharing of data wow. is unprecedented and amazing. And then our expert microbiologists at the public health lab could take those viral sequences. They don't actually have the virus, right? But they could take those viral sequences and from that they could develop a test. It's a it's complicated and difficult to do just at the moment because we we don't have, you know, there are generally very strict rules about how you develop new tests and what kind of validation you need. Um, And if you don't have that, then it's more complicated to do the testing and be sure about it. And that's a piece of the reason why all the tests that are being done in Toronto are being confirmed at the National Microbiology Lab in Winnipeg. It's a a principle when you have these brand new tests um, that you always have a second lab confirm your tests so that you make just just absolutely 100% sure. Um, that it's right, but it is yes, it is it is in fact truly amazing that you know two weeks after we identified the virus that we have a test for in Ontario, something that um, the people in public health in Ontario should be very proud of. Is this a direct lesson we learned from SARS? 
Oh yeah, we we this is this is directly because after SARS, we refunded our public health system and in particular our public health Ontario labs. And this is a um, th this is a piece of what public la health labs are for. They they do a lot of other things, mm -hmm. okay, that we need. Um, but this response to outbreaks and this ability to respond is is what sh one of the things you badly want a public health lab for. And we're having an illustration now of just what that investment is worth and paying off. What other lessons, just uh, quickly, maybe you can run down some things that we learned from SARS that are really going to help us with the coronavirus and make sure that this actually doesn't become, you know, what people are worried about, a pandemic. Well, you know, I mean, I think you're seeing it with a press conference today. We learned that communication is really important, that being open and transparent, not just in Ontario, but globally, um, we're much better off with infection prevention and control in our Ontario hospitals, with people understanding how communicable diseases are transmitted and, and how to respond to them. Um, there's, there's, there's a really long list of things that, that we learned from SARS that are, are really paying off in this outbreak. I, I've had a question about uh, some people online have been wondering, and they're worried about um, possibility of the virus coming in from packages in the mail. Is that even possible? No. The, um, any packages that come from anywhere will have been through circumstances that will have killed this virus, not, not anything to worry about. So we don't know much about how it spreads, but we can be re reasonably sure that it can die within a, a time period? Y you know, it, it it's... It's really difficult to describe the things you know and the things you don't know um, about viruses. So the, from, from the structure of the virus itself, um, you can tell some things about how likely it's going to be to survive. Remember that viruses only grow inside people. So they can sometimes survive outside people, but they can't grow. So they're not nearly as dangerous in the environment as, say, bacteria are because they can grow outside. Ah. Um, and, and remember, you know, any, any package that's been on an aircraft okay, has been up in the sky at like minus 30 degrees, right? They don't heat baggage holds, all right? Um, and viruses cannot survive those low temperatures any more than humans can. Um, so, you know, there are, although there are many things we don't know, there are also many things that we do know about this virus. And a virus yeah. needs a host so that it can survive and then spread. That's exactly right. Interesting. And, uh, Wow. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, it's uh, it's sad that we have to have you on because we're dealing with the yet possibility of another, um, in, you know, fatal infectious disease. But you just always bring such a wealth of information and you simplify it so much so that I think people walk away going, OK, I think I, you know, I, I can actually exhale now because that's the worry is that we're going to have this epidemic of fear. Yes, I you know I think the the epidemic of the virus is bad enough. The epidemic of fear is uh, I, I think really hard as well. And of course you know this is a, this is a new virus and it 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 is a concern. You know people are worried about it and we're right to be worried about it. And in trying to maintain that balance of of doing things that are we know are based on the evidence as opposed to based on our fear is a, is a very difficult thing to do with new diseases. Um, I'm I'm really happy. I have to say, with our public health response at at the national, provincial, and local level in Toronto, I think they're working really hard at that. So all, all the rest of us need to stick with them. Dr. McGear, thanks so much for your time. I always appreciate it. Pleasure to talk to you always.